Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brian Krumah. Reverend Brian Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. Arise and shine. Please stand to your feet. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful. We thank you for an opportunity you have given us to gather at your feet to hear you. We pray, Lord, that you give us of your spirit to minister to us. We pray that you give us receiving hearts. I pray for everyone that is here. I pray, Lord, that as your word comes, let it bring healing. Let it bring strength. Let it bring restoration. Let none of us live here the same as we came. We pray for an encounter with you this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please clap your hands together for the Lord and you may sit on top of your enemies. Amen. Well, today I want to, for a brief time, continue with the message I was sharing with you about prayer. I was talking to you about the mysteries of prayer. Do you remember before I took a little break? We were talking about the mysteries of prayer. That prayer is mysterious. Communicating with God is mysterious. And if God is mysterious, then we must not be surprised that a means to talk to God and means to communicate with God is also mysterious. Hallelujah. And I began sharing with you that our lives are governed by a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect. And the fact that we cannot see in the spiritual realm does not mean that it does not exist. Do you understand? The fact that you cannot see it does not mean that it does not exist or it does not have any effect on your life. Whether you see it or not, bacteria has effect on your life. Virus have effect on your life. Whether you see it or not, you will not see it by the time you realize you are sneezing and coughing just because you mistakenly put a dirty finger around your nose or around your mouth or something like that, and you are coughing and sneezing, but you didn't see anything. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So whether you believe it or not, there is a real effect of the spiritual realm on your life. Amen. And we must strongly also focus on that. Hallelujah. We read in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3, it says, For we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh... We walk in the flesh. We see physical things. We touch things. But our war, we do not war after the flesh. Then he says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not physical things. They are not things that we can touch and feel and see. Our weapons, the weapons of our warfare in this spiritual realm, they are not carnal. But mighty through God mighty through God. That means that 
the weapons that we use to fight in this realm, we receive it from God. Our weapons are mighty. They become mighty when it is through God in this spiritual realm. So you cannot be in that warfare without having constant communication with God and receiving in the spiritual realm. Amen. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yes. You cannot war a warfare in the spirit when the one who supplies the weapons has no communication with you. Amen. And I said that the spiritual realm has stronger effect, stronger effect on our lives even than the physical. Hallelujah. And though we see God as mysterious and that communicating with him is also mysterious, we have to accept God just as he is. And we have to adapt ourselves. Adapt ourselves to receive from God. Amen. 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 Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? And I gave you the analogy that if you see a power socket on the wall, there is a lot of power in it. There is a lot of power in it. But if you don't have the right plugs to put in the socket, you cannot get in. You cannot tap into the power. Amen. And God is that power. And we have to adjust ourselves to communicate with this mysterious God. Hallelujah. So I began sharing with you about some of the mysteries of prayer. That, number one, we said it seems that God is limited or restricted to do anything unless we ask. His restriction to do things is limited to our asking. God is limited to do things in our lives to our asking him. If we don't ask, God doesn't seem to have such effect on us. That there is so much he wants to do, but he's limited to your asking. That is mysterious. That is a mystery, but that is how it is. And so we must ask. Amen. We must ask. Hallelujah. Amen. What was the second thing we said? We said, even though God knows everything, he still wants us to ask about what he already knows. That is a mystery. So God knows everything. God knows everything about us. There is nothing that is hidden from him. He knows everything. Though he knows everything about you, he still wants you to ask. Amen. He still wants you to ask. So to say that God knows and then you are moving around, it's not enough. You can't just go around and say, God knows. God knows that I am turning 30 and I need a husband. God knows. But he says, ask. Otherwise, you'll be 35. You'll be 40. You'll be 45. And you continue to say, God knows. He wants you to ask. Amen. If somebody understand what I'm sharing with you, God knows your situation, but he wants you to ask. Amen. Amen. He says in um, Proverbs 5.21, he says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he pondered all his goings, all of man's goings. God is watching. He sees all your path. 
He sees everything that is about you, but he says you must ask. He says you must ask. Amen. He says, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask. He knows, but he wants you to ask. Amen. That is a mystery. And we cannot say that if God knows, then I'm not going to ask. He wants you to ask him. Hallelujah. If somebody understand what I'm sharing with you, he must, you, you must ask him if you want him to do something about it. Number three, what did we say? We say God seems to want us to keep asking about the same things, even though we have asked him before. He wants us to keep asking about the same thing. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. But that must not stop us from asking. If we have asked before, he says we must pray without ceasing. Continue to ask. Keep asking. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep asking. Amen. Keep asking. We must not stop asking. Hallelujah. The next one we said, it seemed that God wants us to keep asking, but also find some prayers repetitious and boring. Wow. That is a mystery. He says, but when ye pray, in Matthew 6 verse 7, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard, for they are much speaking. So you see, so much speaking sometimes is boring to the Lord. But that must not, he says, we must not stop praying. We must not stop asking. So we must ask and adapt ourselves. And I believe I share with you certain prayers that we see in the pattern as being recommended for repetitions. And certain prayers, especially things that seem to humble us. Do you understand? So when the Lord, for instance, took the people of Israel through the wilderness, he said he did this on purpose. He did that on purpose to humble them, to teach them that he is God, to humble them. And so such a thing, if God puts you in a situation like that, no matter how much you pray about it, it will not change until that humility is recognized in you. Until it brings humility in you. And there are some of you, there are certain situations you know that it has humbled you. There are certain situations you know that if it wasn't for that situation, we could handle you. You, you know, don't you know? Oh, you don't know? Oh, I am your, I'm your pastor. I know. There are certain situations if God was to remove them from your life, the way you are, we, cannot, we could not have handled you. And so such situations, recognize it and allow God to humble you and humble yourself. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. Humble yourself. And you see God lifting you. Some of you have written some examination or you have applied for a job or you apply for some promotion, or sometimes you are, you are trying to get, some of you, if you are married, hey! You, you know, you know that the day you become missus, because I have seen some before, 
So certain situations, you allow God to humble you and stop asking. That is a repetitious prayer that God doesn't want to hear. You know you are proud and he's trying to humble you and you want to change the situation. It's not a good thing. Or you don't agree with what I'm saying. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Because even the small promotion, small thing that God, look at how you are. Look at how you are. The car you were driving, you, was very, you were very humble. Now that the Lord has promoted you, even when you get out of the car, they're walking that you come out of the car. You, are, you can see that your steps are not the same. Or what I'm saying is not true. You see, I have seen some young women. Sometimes I see a little girl, little woman, small woman, sitting in this big car. And then you can see the way she's sitting in the car that you feel big like the car. And when you get down, the car is very high like this. And when you get down, you like you you bump, you you bump like some springs in your shoes. And then the way you shake yourself and then you begin to walk. Amen. Amen. Some of you, you should be walking with your bald head instead of the wig because God was trying to humble you. True. God is trying to humble you. You see? Because even you have, you have covered it and then you one man of God one man of <laughs> one man of God said something he said he said in the past I won't share it with you <laughs> he said in the past when there was a crime in the crime scene they looked for like hair particles and all kinds of things, and they do DNA, and then they can find the person. <laughs> but these days, when they do the DNA, they are looking for the person in Brazil. <laughs> or India. The person is right here in the Bronx, but the DNA is directing us to Brazil. Or sometimes when they do the DNA, they realize that ah, the DNA is not a human DNA. <laughs> May the Lord forgive us. I think sometimes we too we can be jealous because we can't waste. <laughs> Amen. But God brings humility in our lives. Hallelujah. I want to share the next one with you. The next one is it mysteriously, it seems that some prayers need to be very long, whilst other prayers can be very short. That is a mystery. Which prayer needs to be very long, and which one must be very short? Hallelujah. Now, when we look at Jesus' ministry, we see this 
mysterious blend of very short prayers and very long prayers. We see Jesus praying for a short time and sometimes for a long time. So the mystery then is, when is a long prayer indicated and when is a short prayer needed? Amen. That is a mystery. Because it could be that there is a time for a long prayer and you are praying for a short time. Or there's a need for a short prayer and you are on and on and on for a long time. That also is a mystery. Hallelujah. So in the Bible, we find Jesus moving from short prayers to long prayers and back and forth in a very mysterious way. And we don't seem to have answers to all of these mysteries. We, don't, we cannot answer all of these mysteries. But these must not also stop us from praying. So I want us to look at some of the examples of the times that Jesus prayed. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. He says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. All men are looking for you. It's like, where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. Amen. So it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day. Now, we don't know what is a great while before day. I don't know. What is a great while before day in your, in your mind? What do you think is a great while before day? 2 a.m.? Someone says 3 a.m.? 4 a.m.? Someone says 7 a.m.? <laughs> so you see, the time you want to wake up is a great while before day for you. Isn't that so? So we don't know, but the Bible says there was a great while before day. And whatever that means, it means it was very early in the morning. Before the day opened up. Very early in the morning. Isn't that so? So we see here that Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came from heaven, rose up early in the morning to pray. He rose up early in the morning. So then we can take it from it that there is some effectiveness. There must be some effectiveness to wake up early in the morning to pray. It must be important that you wake up early in the morning to pray. That talking to God, the first thing you do in the day must be something important. What do you think? That the the. God is the first person you encounter before you encounter anything else in your day must be something that is important. If Jesus, who came from God, did that, then it must be very important. Hallelujah. Reading your text messages must not be the first thing in the morning. Picking up your phone and looking at your WhatsApp messages must not be the first thing in the morning. Hallelujah. 
Your phone must not be, if the phone is something you are going for, then it must be that you are dialing into a prayer meeting, but not to read the messages that you missed whilst you were sleeping. Why should people be, why would you worry about messages that came in whilst you were sleeping? Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So your phone must not, your messages must not be the first thing you encounter when you rise up in the morning. Hallelujah. Jesus did not want to interrupt this pattern. He didn't want to interrupt. He didn't want anyone to interrupt his first encounter with God or his communication with God. So he woke up a great while before day. He woke up a great while while everyone else was sleeping. He woke up that no one had the opportunity to interrupt him first. No one had the opportunity to say something to him first, but that he will have an encounter with God, the first thing. Amen. Because if you wait for everyone to wake up, if you, wait, you were to wait for everyone to wake up before you pray, you may not even get the opportunity to talk to God. People, somebody will be asking you, where did you put my socks? Where did you put my belt? Where was this? Where, was, where did you put my charger? Did you take my charger? Did you take this? Did you take... And everyone is up. And you will not even have an opportunity to speak to God. So he rose up a great while before day whilst everyone was sleeping. Hallelujah. The next thing we notice here is that he rose up. Amen. He rose up. He got up. Amen. I want you to have your attention. Jesus, the son of God, the Bible says, he rose up. He rose up. He got out of bed. He got out of bed. He didn't open his eyes in the bed and began to pray. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? He rose up. He rose up. Amen. Because he knows that if he just gets, opens his eyes and begins to pray, he knows what will happen to him. And by now you know already. Because you have tried that. Amen. So Jesus rose up and went away from his bed. He went away from his bed. He says he rose up and went somewhere. Amen. Because he knows that this rising up and staying in the bed to pray. Look, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Do you have the message version? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Look at that. It says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised. Do you understand what it means? The devil is poised. That means he's alert. He's, he's positioned to pounce and will like nothing better. Do you know what he would like to find you? He says he would like nothing better than to catch you, catch you napping, napping, catch you sleeping. The devil's plan, the devil's plan is to make you sleep. You see, you have no idea. Some of you who don't like to pray, 
We say, we are coming on a prayer line at 5 a.m. to pray. And then the entire church, you have just, I can count on my fingers. How many people have really, the devil, you, and you think that it, you are wise, you want to sleep. That is what the devil wants you. That is the exact position he wants you. He says, the devil, he says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you. Catch you napping. He wants to catch you. So he's going to and fro. Seeing, he says, oh, your eyes are open. Oh, just pick up your phone and dial in and, and then he's watching you. Then he's blowing. <laughs> Pray. Then this He wants to catch you, catch you like that. Catch you, catch you like that. He's ready to pounce on you. Catch you napping. So there are some homes the enemy doesn't even bother because he knows this person, he's up. And he's praying. There's no way. You see, when we are praying and we are walking back and forth, it does not bring any it's just to keep us alert, keep our heads cool and alert. So the devil will not catch us napping. So it's not surprising. You can even come for a prayer meeting. You see, if I put a Nigerian movie or something like that, no matter how tired you are, you will not sleep. You will watch it. And the enemy can make you watch for seven hours, ten hours, but start to pray. Start to pray. You can be standing and then you'll be. He wants to, because he wants to catch you. He says he, he would like nothing better than to catch you napping. So Jesus, he rose up and he went away. He went away because you see, you have to overcome the flesh. You have to overcome the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not carnal. If you are going to depend on the flesh, you will fail. You will lose the battle. Amen. So Jesus rose up and went away. Went away. Went away from his bed. So that he could not fall asleep again. Amen. Now sometimes I understand that your circumstances may be unique. You know, you are in a room, that is all you have, and you cannot really go away. Do you understand? But stay away from the bed. Sit somewhere. Walk somewhere by the bed. But this, trying to do some adaptations, it doesn't work. Amen. It doesn't work. Now, the next thing we learn in this scripture is that he went to a solitary place. He went to an isolated place. Amen. 
He went to a place where there was no one. Hallelujah. Jesus, the son of God, went to an isolated place. Amen. You see, it is difficult for today's Christian to be alone with God. It is very difficult. Sometimes you seem to have come to God alone, but you bring all kinds of people with you. You bring all kinds of people along. You bring people through Facebook. You bring people through the Twitter. You bring people through your WhatsApp. You bring people through Instagram. Bring people through Telegram. They have that too. Hey. I thought that was some time ago. They bring people through Snapchat. 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 You have come to God and you are Snapchatting. You are not serious. So you realize that you cannot be alone. You look like you are alone, but you are not alone. You cannot come to God and take your phone with all these strangers along. That you are trying to communicate with them, that you are praying and then communicating with all. You are opening every app possible around you. Amen. So you seem to have come alone, but you are not alone. So if you continue to read verse 36, go back to my scripture. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and 36. 36, it says, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. Do you understand? They followed after him, and then what happened? And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. All men seek for thee. So it means that when he woke up, if he had not gone somewhere, they would have interrupted his prayer. And he knows that if he doesn't move away, you see, it means these people, they were looking for him. They went to where he was sleeping. And there are some people, they don't have respect for prayer at all. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? They have no respect for prayer. So Jesus, he values the, 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 the aloneness or being alone with God. And so he went somewhere solitary. And so when the people found him, he has finished his prayers. He says, all men seek thee. That means people would have been knocking his door. Calling his phone. Texting him. What's up in him? Are you awake? What are you doing? We are here. Sorry to bother you so early. <laughs> Amen. So be like Jesus. Rise up and go somewhere so you can be with the Lord alone. Put your hands together for Jesus. Now, another example of long prayer is when Jesus was also choosing disciples. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples 
And of them, he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Hallelujah. So you realize that when you are making a big decision, such as choosing people, you need to have an all-night type of prayer. You need to pray for a long hour or long hours alone. When you are making a decision to choose people, as a pastor, when you need to choose leaders, you are expected to have a long hours of prayer concerning whom you should choose. Amen. When you are made a ministry leader and you are choosing people to work with, you don't choose your friends. You don't choose your tribesmen. You have to pray. Pray and choose people to work with because it is a work of God. Amen. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? When you are getting married, you must choose a time, long hours of prayer when you want to get married. How many people have had an all night because you want to find a partner? You had an all night alone, praying who to choose. Not many. Not many people. So are you surprised the kind of marriage that you have? Even Jesus prayed all night and chose 12 people, one of them. You see, because the person that you are choosing to be a long lifetime partner can have a lot of effect on your life. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Look at who Jesus chose and this person's decision and his likeness. And because of him, his ministry was cut short. Because of someone, and he prayed all night. He says, have I not chosen you 12? And one of you is a devil. Amen. So if you are choosing to marry, if you are choosing to marry someone, spend time with God. Spend time and pray and pray to God. Don't look for someone who is beautiful. It is not a good criteria for a lifetime partner. It's not a good criteria to look for someone whose face you like. Or someone whose body shape you like. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Because I can tell you that the body shape is not for a lifetime. So if you are choosing a lifetime partner and the criteria is for body shape, then you will not last long in a relationship. Amen. Don't choose someone because the person looks quiet. The person is a quiet person. This is a quiet person. Because I tell you, the quietness before the marriage is nothing. It is nothing. It's nothing. It is never a good criteria. If it is premarital quietness, I am telling you as a pastor that it's not a good criteria. Oh, Reverend, she doesn't even open her mouth to talk. Hey! She doesn't open. That, when I hear that, I begin to be afraid. Every time I hear that, I'm telling you. Anytime I, oh, Reverend, he, he doesn't talk. Oh, he doesn't talk. You have no idea. So that is not a criteria to choose someone that you are going to live with for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. 
Someone will say, oh, I mean, hey, I like yellow. You like green. You like blue. I like yellow. You like blue. So when we miss, it's green. Green means go. Green means green light. Hey! <laughs> he said, it's a match. It's a match from heaven. Green light. God has given me green light. Green light. Green light. You like yellow? Hey, me blue, blue and yellow, green. Oh, Reverend, 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 tell me what else? What else? What else to look for? Green color, green color. People have seen green light and they have gone. And they went a little further and the police caught them. <laughs> Green light. So the son of man, the son of God himself, when he came from heaven and he needed to choose people, to choose a person, to choose a human being, you must pray. You must pray. You must pray. Amen. You must pray. If you have not prayed about a lifetime partner, then you are, you are making a big mistake. Because I tell you, what you are seeing before the marriage is nothing to what you are going to see. It's nothing to what you are going to see. Look at all these young women. I mean, look at, look. Which one is not marriageable? I mean, look at them. Look at their faces. Look. Look at them. They look nice. Quiet. Harmless. They don't talk. But you ask them, if you can, you ask them private, are you really, <laughs> are you really quiet? You can ask. What I'm saying, is it true or not? true. You see, you think that, what I'm saying, is it true or is not very true? Amen. Oh, Reverend, I have not seen a man so gentle like him. He's so gentle, Reverend. When I'm with him, Reverend, it's as if he's an angel. He's an angel. You, you, like, you like someone who is biceps and forceps and triceps and six-pack. You must pray. Even you are choosing a human being to live with, you must pray. 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 Amen. You must pray. Another long prayers concerning life and death. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Concerning life and death situation. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. He says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, 
sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Watch with me means stay awake and pray with me. He says, my soul is very sorrowful. I am facing life and death matter. My soul is very sorrowful. I want you to stay and pray with me. I want you to stay and watch with me. The next verse says, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, or if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. Life and death matter. He cometh back to his disciples and finds them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? It's like he was shocked. He said, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not watch with me one hour? That means that Jesus is expecting his followers to be able to pray at least one hour. At least one hour. To pray for at least one hour. So he was shocked that he came to find the disciples not able to stay and pray for at least one hour. Amen. He said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not stay awake to pray with me for an hour? Could you not watch? Could you not pray for one hour? What a shock. What kind of Christians are they? That you cannot stay up to pray for at least one hour. Because he knows that there are other things that you can easily do. There are other things that you can easily do for two Three, four hours, five hours, easily, without interruption. And that you cannot stay awake. In a crucial time like this, you can stay awake to pray with me for one hour. Amen. Another long prayers for unity among his congregation. In John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 1. He says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now, Jesus' glory to be glorified was to find his disciples in unity, living in unity. That was his glory. Amen. So he knew that division in the church, when the church is divided into groups, when the church has subgroups, small, small groups, he knew that that is what leads to the destruction of the church. 
So he spent the whole of John chapter 17, it was all of his prayer that God would keep them as one. He spent a long time praying that God would keep the congregation as one. Because he knew that if they are divided, it is the end of their ministry. If there is division among the congregation, it is the end of the church. It is the end of Christianity. It is the end of the ministry. So if you go down to verse 20, he says, this was important. You see, verse 20, read that. He says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me. That is you. Through their word. It's not just for these ones. He says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. The next verse, he says, that they all may be what? I cannot hear you. I cannot hear you. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Amen. That the world, unbelievers, will know that Jesus has come from God when there is unity in the church. Amen. When the people are one, when there is no division, when there are no groups, that is when unbelievers will know that the, the, the Son of God came from heaven. I didn't write the Bible. Did you read with me? He said, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, that the world will believe that you have sent me. Amen. This is Jesus. He says, by this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. When we have loved one to another. Because you see, naturally in the world, naturally, this is true. Naturally in the world, people will tend to gravitate towards groups. They will be grouped together. There will be group of Awes, group of Akans, group of Jamaicans, group of, you see, you see, that is natural. That is natural. And you will see that, you know, people will tend to group together. But he knows that whenever that is happening, the enemy has entered. Satan has entered the church. Satan has entered the body of Christ. When the people begin to group together, and I see some small, small groups that are cropping up, I am ready to destroy these groups. I'm telling you. We will not allow the enemy to rise up to destroy the church. Because he says, by this, this is the only way. This is the only way unbelievers, you see, unbelievers to see that Christians, people from different nationality, different culture, different languages are worshiping and fellowshipping together. The only thing that can bring that is the presence of God amongst the people. And so he says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, when ye have love one to another. Amen. Amen. So if you find yourself gravitating towards some group, 
And then you look around and you are the same people gossiping the same things, planning the same things, doing the same things, rising up against the same thing, doing the same thing that Satan has entered. Satan is in your midst, I'm telling you. Satan is in your midst. If you find yourself that we are of this language and we, this is our group. We are of this profession. This is our group. We are of this caliber. We all like this. We all like that. That is a, a sign. That is a sign that Satan has entered. And so Jesus spent a long time praying against this. That the father will unite them. That the father will break groups, break divisions. He spent a long time praying about that. The whole of John chapter 17. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So if you are finding yourself in any group, look at your phone and see the type of people you call all the time. That you have also set up some form of WhatsApp thing in your group in the church. It's a demonic presence. I'm telling you. It's a demonic presence. And there are some people also, you see, the sign, the sign that is a demonic presence is that you see that when people come to that group, they all behave in a certain way. They become some way. They become rebellious. They become disrespectful. They become gossipers. You see, nothing good. I have not seen any small group that have come out of themselves and be something productive as soul winning. That we have formed this group and we are for soul winning. We have formed this group and we are for visitation. We have formed this group and it's for Bible studies. We are strengthening ourselves in the spirit. It's never like that. It's a sign that it's a satanic group. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? That we organize this for ourselves. We organize it. Oh, we are doing this for ourselves. It's a satanic group. In the real church, in a real true Christian fellowship, you find people from all kinds of places, all kinds of places, all kinds of groups from different nationalities fellowshipping together. Fellowshipping together. There's a reason why we don't speak certain languages in our church. There's a reason. We want everyone to feel a part of it. There's a reason why we don't sing certain songs. We know that certain songs bring certain atmosphere and a certain spirit in you. We know that. But Christ did not die for a certain group of people from certain places only. Amen. So if you find yourself gravitating towards a group, I am telling you who is leading that group. Satan has entered a person. Satan has entered a person. Amen. And you, your, a sign is that you realize that your attitude towards certain things change. You become a group of people within the choir become rebellious in the choir. They say we are doing this and then we meet and say we, we are not doing it. Let us all not go. Let us all not show up. That is a satanic group. You see, you can never find a group like that. That is, oh, the choir leader is saying this. Beloved, let us back him. Let us strengthen this. Let us do. Is that the kind of group you form? It's not. It's not. 
It's a gossip group. Gather in a corner and gossip about people. Do all kinds. And so Jesus spent a long time praying against this. Praying against this. Giving names to people. I mean, it destroyed churches. It destroyed churches. So he wanted this to be out of the church. Amen. And me, I'm telling you, if you are in a group like that, you realize that things will not go well with you because it is one of my prayers. I'll pray against this. I'm I'm giving you advance, advance time. That I pray against you. I pray actually because it's a distraction for what Christ is building. Amen. Amen. So you realize that certain things will not work for you. You'll be amazed. You try. You try. And so when I love you, I'll call you. And I say, listen, I identify this group. Break it. Have I not done this with some people before? I've done it. And then you, after we have broken that group, you see that you are happy in the church. Yes. So I'm giving you advance notice. It's my prayer, my prayer topic. I will join Christ in praying against this. Amen. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So tell your neighbor, break that group. Tell your neighbor, come out of that group. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, there were other times that Jesus prayed also for short prayers. And when he prayed for short prayers, it was usually for some powerful miracles. Powerful miracles, such as raising the dead, healing the blind. It was short prayers and very powerful. But what we have to take note is that before he would come out, he had waited on the Lord for a long time, great while before day. Hallelujah. We cannot read all these short prayers that Jesus um, prayed. So go and read the book and you will be blessed. Amen. So these are all mysteries. These are all mysteries how to communicate with God. But we cannot understand them until the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Until the days of the voice of the seventh angels, when all the mysteries of God will be finished. According to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. Until that day, this is what we have. That we have to deal with this mysterious God. Put your hands together for the Lord. And please stand to your feet as we bring the service to a close. Father, we are thankful and grateful. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for ministering to us. We thank you, Lord, for revealing to us the mysteries of prayer. The mysteries of prayer. Help us, Lord, to adapt to these mysteries. Help us, Lord, to tap into this mystery. Help us, Lord, to accept this mystery. That you are a mysterious God. And talking to you, asking from you, requesting from you requires mysteries. And Lord, help us that we adapt into the mysteries of talking to you in the name of Jesus. Now, with all eyes closed and every head bowed, you are here this afternoon. You want to give your life to Christ. Just lift up your hand. 
wherever you are, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to be among those who rise up early and call upon this Jesus. I want to commit my life into his hands. I want to be with him on the day that he calls me. Or when he comes, I want to be with him in heaven. I want to be with Jesus. If that is your prayer, I want to say a short prayer with you. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. Wherever you are, just lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. If that is your prayer. Is there anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to give your life to Christ. Perhaps somebody invited you to church. Perhaps you have heard this invitation many, many times. But this might be the last opportunity. I don't know. But ask yourself, if you were to die today, where would you go? Where would you be? You can make that setting today by receiving Christ as your Savior. Lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that, you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? Anyone here like that? Why don't you all join me and say this together? Say, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. You are the Son of God. Lord Jesus. You died on the cross. You were buried. And you rose again on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. This afternoon, I repent from my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me one of your servants. Say, please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message. We invite you to join us on Sunday afternoons for our Duel of Heaven service and Tuesday evenings for our Word Power service. For more messages by Rev. Brian Nkrumah, please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North Podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.